So today's author is almost certainly someone you've never heard of before, which I do quite enjoy. I, I don't like always focusing on people that everyone's known because, you know, that's a very well-known story. Those stories are most likely to be the most polished and more likely than not, they're just winners of some uh, lottery that um, accounts for an overwhelming part of their success. Um, but Lillian Lee, I think, uh, is one of those rare authors where you could just read the quality of her work and just see how clearly uh, she thinks and, and how um, hilarious she can be just making observations about the Chinese economy, which she's decided to pursue. And I swear I was a fan of hers before I heard her voice, which is a delight. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the premier podcast dissecting the pulse of business technology and media in Asia. The Chinese digital ecosystem is completely decoupled from the rest of the world. For example, cloud computing and software as a service, otherwise known as SaaS. Today, I have Lillian Lee, founder of Chinese Characteristics Newsletter. Lillian, welcome to the show. Glad to be on, Bernard. Thanks for having me. I've heard you on various podcasts. For example, Benedict Evans, the Acquire podcast by Ben and David, and also with Rima as well. So I really want to have this conversation. But since it's your first time on the show, how do you start your career? Yeah, so I grew up in the West. I was born in China, but quite traditional, actually. So after university, in which I did economics, and then very ambitiously layered that on with a master's in development studies where I had initially wanted to become a World Bank economist, but had that slightly ruined by a very pragmatic insight into the world of development. Decided to do a 180 and go full corporate by going to management consulting with LEK Consulting. And then after about two and a half years of doing a lot of private equity due diligence, somehow managed to find myself in venture. I mean, it's a funny story because essentially... I had thought I was joining a growth equity slash private equity house. And on the first day, I'm not even joking, on the first day of my new job, I sit down at the Monday morning meeting and then hear terms like liquidity preference and other things that I had never come across in all of my PE prep. And then slowly but surely it dawned on me that I had actually joined venture capital, which was one of the best mistakes I've ever made with my career, to be honest. And then so I spent about five-ish coming up to six years in Europe, investing across Europe and Israel, predominantly in SaaS, but also really across all the spectrum of technology and internet before coming back to China last year in August and accidentally starting my newsletter called Chinese Characteristics, where I write long form analysis about Chinese tech from the perspective of Western VC. What brought you back to China and eventually what was the motivation to set up the Chinese Characteristics newsletter? I had always wanted to come back to China partly for family reasons, but every time I came back to visit, I was always blown away by the pace of progress here and by listening to podcasts like GGV, sometimes your podcast as well. I was really impressed by the progress and the pace of innovation that was happening. So from a deep desire just to be where the action is at. In the back of my mind, I had always wanted to try. And I think the pandemic, for me, like it did for many other people, just made a lot of life decisions very starkly and kind of said, hey, this thing that you wanted to do, are you going to do it? And so for me, it was almost like a now or never moment. And I made the pretty drastic decision to quit my job and uproot my entire life and move back last year. Had I a master plan when I was coming back to 
write a newsletter? Of course not. I mean, for me, it really started off as a deep desire to see this kind of writing exist in the world because I had, I'm sure you and you know your listeners do spend time reading Ben Thompson, Benedict Evans, these very thoughtful, long pieces on technology dissection about Western tech. And I had struggled to find something that was on the equivalent level for Chinese tech. So from a very selfish perspective, I just wanted this to exist in the world. And therefore, when I was in quarantine, I'm wondering, okay, now I've quit my entire life and moved back to China, what should I do? It was a way for me to say, okay, here's something I could do. And so I took all of this background knowledge I had of tech and my understanding of Chinese culture and then tried to make sense of the things I was seeing on the ground, which was very strange to me at the beginning. And then as I was writing, I think it also resonated with others. And before I know it, I kind of built a small audience. So it was a very accidental move that I now write this newsletter, at least publicly facing as a full-time job. So you have a very interesting career from being an investor to now analyzing the Chinese tech industry. What are the interesting lessons you can share with my audience about your career journey? Yeah, it's a a great question. And I can only say these are things I've realized in hindsight might not work for everyone. So for me, I would say kind of three things. Firstly is accumulation of skills is needed at the beginning of every career. And I feel that ran counter to a lot of advice I've heard very earlier on about following your passion. I think it's, of course, great to follow your passion. I, to a certain extent, am following you know, my passion of analyzing tech. But that's off a long basis of years of working as management consultant and also in venture capital, which I also tremendously enjoyed. But I entered those jobs with half a mind to pick up transferable concrete skills. And I think that's really important at the beginning of one's career. A second thing I think was helpful for me, and this is kind of tried, but creative hustling is actually underrated. I know everyone talks about hustling, but I think when you're actually sitting on the other end and seeing how many pitches you get from folks and how plain some of the pitches are, you really actually realize that just by taking the initiative, reaching out to people, pounding the pavements, and then making something and quote-unquote hustling, actually puts you head and shoulders above a lot of other people. And that's something I kind of learned earlier on because one of the less glamorous sides about management consulting, at least during my days that no one talked about, was you had to talk to a lot of industry experts, but you talk to them without paying them. So I spent a lot of my time cold calling industry experts and trying to convince them to tell me their industry secrets. As you can imagine, that is a very tall task, but very good training for someone at the beginning because you learned to do a lot of things including my third piece of interesting career lessons, right? Which is that I think selling is the secret skill that people do not tell you about. And I think for any service job, including professional service, at the very top and definitely the middle, selling is what you have to do. You have to sell to your clients, sell internally, sell yourself, sell your ideas. We might not say it as such, but it's essentially just influencing, convincing people. And I definitely found that once I made the transition to venture capital and I remember kind of this fantastic way of framing venture that was given to me, which is that VCs are salespeople and what we sell is money. And what VCs tend to do is find promising startups who do not really need money because currently money is pretty plentiful. And then you try to sell these great startups that you are the person they should partner with and they should really take your money because you're going to be so helpful to them. So you spend a lot of time selling. And 
in the beginning, I think, if, especially if you're analytical, selling is a very dirty word, dirty concept. And I spent a lot of time kind of resisting it. But I kind of wish I got more comfortable with the idea sooner. And then I am able to find a mode that I'm comfortable with. I try to be insightful as much as I can and try to be valuable with what I say to the general public. And that's my mode of selling. I don't try to sort of convince you I'm like the funniest person ever or coolest person ever because I'm obviously not. So just finding these few lessons that I'm taking the perspective, had I talked to myself 10 years earlier, I would have shared these with her. What are the key topics and themes which you cover on the Chinese characteristics newsletters? So it's kind of evolved and I would group it under five big categories over as I've seen them develop. One is almost kind of the traditional, I cover deep analysis on companies. So I will write about Billy Billy and the product strategy. I will write about Ant Group. I will write about Pindodor and explain what's the company history? How do they make money? What's their product? Do I think this is a good company? Do I think it's a bad company? Typical company overviews, which is one bucket. Others, which is tech trend explainers. So things that I see that are very hot in China, which um, I think could be interesting for tech watchers around the world. So last year it was things like community group buying or live streaming monetization or live streaming e-commerce, it's now called, and also how, say, Chinese tech gamifies a lot of its products. So these big trends that I'm seeing, which I think is very different to the Western counterparts, I will highlight. Um, I talk a lot about SaaS and cloud, as we'll probably discuss in detail later on. Um, and also because of my development background, I actually talk a lot about the enabling factors that sets Chinese tech on a different trajectory to the Western counterparts. Because I don't want to make it out to be that China is this like mystical place that um, has evolved completely randomly. I think there are very concrete reasons for the way it has evolved. And I try to highlight some of those reasons in these kind of starting conditions, quote unquote, bucket. And then the last bucket, which I had never thought I would write about, but actually spend a decent amount of my time thinking about nowadays, is Chinese governance and regulations. As I'm sure anyone who's keyed up on Chinese tech this year <laughs> realized, the government has a very big say in Chinese tech and China in general. And I think that has been a very interesting lesson for everyone to learn. So again, funny how we connect the dots looking backwards, but my development masters, which I thought was completely useless at the time, and I had written my dissertation on Chinese governance, has now actually come into great use since I now spend my time reading the 14th five-year plan and thinking about why tech regulations come happen and how these ministries fit under other ministries. So um, let that be a lesson, you know, those bizarre arts degrees that you take can actually be helpful later on in life. You just never know where. So that's the fifth bucket, Chinese governance. So to summarize, starting conditions of an economy, company overviews, tech trend explainers, SaaS and cloud, and then governance. All right. I think the only way to really sell you on her is to link to some of her posts. So check out the show notes for a link to her Substack, where she's uh, demonstrated some of her writing. 